0: This is Voices of the Industry, the Apps Alliance podcast.
1: Hello, this is Jacob Wilson of the Application Developers Alliance, and today I'll be talking to Terry Davison, the CEO of O'Neill Interactive. O'Neill offers one of the most unique products in the ever-crowded app marketing space, and today we'll not only discuss that product, but also traditional marketing tactics such as place marketing branding, and geographic targeting and separation, and their role in the app industry. Hello, Terry. Before we get started, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about what O'Neill Interactive does.
0: Uh, Yes, O'Neill Interactive is a marketing company that focuses on helping app developers get noticed. Our biggest product is Shop This Live, it is basically a new distribution slash ad platform for the uh, mobile device market. And think of it as the App Store meets Redbox. It's a virtual vending machine, which we call an app vending machine, that when you walk up to it, you touch it, and through and it's completely touch sensitive. It's like a giant iPad, and uh, it's got categories on it. And whether they be games, eBooks, music, or just apps in in various categories, you can click on it. And whatever you touch appears on your phone through SMS, QR codes, and we're testing another picture type of application that would make the apps then appear on your device.
1: All right. All right. It's a cool cool device and a a unique um, app marketing strategy. And I was wondering um if we could t- start off talking a bit about app discovery, because for for the short time that app discovery has existed in um in you know app marketing, uh well, for the short time that apps have existed really, um app discovery has been primarily done through app stores. And that's made it a really difficult process due to the proliferate due to the massive number of apps that there are available. Do you think that the marketing through the app store is going to get easier as the app market matures, or is the kind of massive app volume and the problems with discovery that that brings going to persist or even grow and, and get, become more of a problem? I think it's going to be
0: more of a problem, and the only reason is we currently have 2.5 million apps in both of the dominant stores, uh, there's a thousand new apps being added every day. And, you know, some are, 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 are being rejected and some are being removed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a constant problem. Now you've got wearables. You've got the Internet of Things that has apps. Uh, I just came back from a conference that I was w- with your president. We both spoke. We were on the same desk together. And uh, there there's a, Samsung has an app for your washing machine now and you know I don't I don't really know how that works but but uh it's washing your clothes and you're controlling it with an app yeah, yeah. So, so but but to answer your question on the discovery part I think the problem is there's it's a good and bad problem there's so many apps there's so many more apps now you got the automobile apps and the issue is how do you get through the clutter and I, I don't see it happening really online because it's it's just, it's just
1: too many. It's just too many. Yeah, I mean, um, and there are ways that that people in the past um, have, have, in the past few years, have gotten around the app store uh, for discovery, and that's mostly been through online advertising. And and the primary Correct. drivers behind that have been social media and advertising in other apps, sort of this cross promotional. Uh, method of advertising, do you think that that's the most effective way to do it? Or do you think that more traditional marketing techniques and more traditional marketing platforms are going to become a great way to get your app out there? 100%.
0: I think you're going to have to use some of the tried and true methods that exist. Prime example, to, to go to the Mobile 360 event that was held here in Atlanta by the GMSA, I actually took the train, which I never do. Mm-hmm. there were two different ads for apps. Then I was watching some television at the hotel bar while we were sitting there talking, and some some advertisements came up for apps. I think the only way to cut through the clutter is to use the traditional method, and they're using television, billboards, and handouts. and I mean, I'm, I'm, they're using a little bit of radio as well, and television if they can afford it. You know, some of the bigger players with deeper pockets. Because I think you have to cut through the clutter to get your app out to people. It's not that your app is bad. It's not that's not why they didn't download it. They didn't download it because they didn't know it existed. And someone was telling me that they're we were doing we're doing something with a big fitness organization across the country. Mm-hmm. And somebody was telling me that there's about thirty five thousand different fitness, weight loss, health related apps inside the inside the Apple alone. So. Which one do you pick and who has the time to surf through those? You have to have somebody recommend it, read it in the newspaper, or just stumble across it and say, I'll check it out and and dismiss it
1: later. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's in the more popular categories and even now in the less popular categories, there's such a variety of choices that it's really hard to get any kind of discovery going uh, through the app store. I mean, even if you've got great app store optimization going. There's only so much you can do without having great reviews and, and huge downloads and the deep pockets to, to get your app out there, um, you know, through that, that myth, that channel. And yeah. what I'm wondering is um, there have been attempts uh, by, by a lot of, of companies to try and create new platforms for app discovery uh, in online spaces. There's been a lot of third party app stores and, app recommendation things. And most of those have not been very successful because they just haven't gotten enough traffic in the United States market. Right. Other places in the world, you you see third-party app stores doing a lot better. But in this market, that's been really hard to do. Um, Your solution is an attempt to solve that by getting sort of the more physical, getting apps in front of eyeballs in a more physical sense. Do you think that 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 kind of... uh, traditional place marketing is is the future. Do you think that we're going to see, especially with wearables and connected devices, more of getting apps to people uh, directly where they're buying things uh, physically in the world? or do you think that that's going to or do you think that that it's it's going to be more about making efficiencies in the online markets? Well, I think what
0: begins online ends offline. And part of your life is online where you're sitting in front of your your computer nonstop or you've got your mobile device. But you still have to probably go to work, go see friends, move around. You're at airports, you're in colleges, you're in malls. You're doing some of the traditional things that we've always done. And the best time to get people is doing dwell time. And that's what we focus on because it's hard to get their attention because now I, I heard a guy say, head down. And he kept saying head down and, and, you know, he was talking about people literally, heads are just literally stuck to their phones. So you've got to find a place and a time where you can get their attention where they're not just stuck in the phone. They're not just looking down at the phone and, and online. I, I'd forget about it, to be honest with you. My reason is even when I decide to go look, I'm on a trip and I'm going to go look up, you know, what's the best, most efficient way for me to buy an airline ticket. I easily get distracted from Twitter pings, from Facebook pings and email pings. And I end up going somewhere else and then it hits me. I say, Oh, I'm supposed to be looking for tickets. And that's a time sensitive purchase, but you are constantly being distracted by things online out. When you're out and about, it's not as distracting if you're not driving, if you're driving, there's a whole different story. But when you're walking, you walk across one of our machines i think it gets your attention and and i guess i hope it gets your attention and that's what we're praying for
1: yeah yeah it's a, it's an interesting um it's an interesting way to think about the problem because uh you know i mean when you're selling an app obviously the head down mentality is what you're looking for because you want people to be in your apps but uh, right. but but that also comes with with disadvantages because it's so hard to uh it's it's an it's a crowded you know market flip, it's a crowded space for a very small area uh it and by what I it that's not really an explanation of what i'm trying to say but um there's a lot of of things competing for your attention but you're still on this phone screen which is really small and it it's hard to especially to get the information you need out there so do you think that that app marketers especially in areas like healthcare and fitness where they they need more time to to maybe and more space to explain what they're doing need to be thinking about ways where they can get just more physical space for an ad? And do you think that that's a a problem that the online, especially the on-phone ads, are going to run into in the future?
0: Uh, I think it's almost a necessity, but the problem is the expense. And I'll give you an example. To be in an airport, to have a poster, the minimum cost that I've seen across the country is about $4,000 a month most of the app developers are, I want to say, startups. Mm -hmm. And they they probably don't have access to an additional $4,000 to spend. They're putting all their money in the app and trying to build a team and trying to get the right new software that'll work and trying to keep it updated and trying to address it. We're going to roll it out to uh, the Android store, but it's got to be optimized to fit all the different platforms. It's not like Apple, you know, you got to do it for a bunch of different screens and a, all different. So they're really swamped there. And then most of them are missing the boat. When I talk to them, they're so techie. They don't think anything about marketing and they don't have a marketing person, but why build it if they're not going to come and they're just not going to find you 2.5 million as a needle in a digital haystack. I think they've got to actually figure out ways to market, even if they're handing out flyers. And surely they can try to make it uh, viral. uh, But then again, who isn't trying to make something viral? Mm -hmm. That's becoming crowded as well. Uh, It's it's all crowded, on and offline. But you've got to figure out a way to get their attention. And, and And in marketing, they call it breaking the preoccupation. Whatever they're into, we've got to break it. And that's what our team is really working on. Our guys are trying to figure out, well, how do we break their preoccupation? How do we make them want to listen to us? And, and that's what we spend a lot of time on, trying to make it really, how would I put it, uh, attractive enough to make you move forward.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that that's a, that's a great point. I mean, there is there's certainly in, in the larger players in the app space, uh, no shortage of, of marketing know-how and knowledge. But I think that, that for a lot of these startups, they, you know, that can't afford to to hire a marketing person. It's it's a it's a complicated space to be navigating. I mean, marketing is is a if you know, you can it's a lot of, of terms and, and jargon and, and it's a it's not something you just sort of do you know, randomly in your spare time. But what what would you say to, you know, the one two-person app shop who knows nothing about marketing, what do you think is the key thing that they need to understand? Is it breaking the preoccupation, or is there some, or is there some other concept that you think they need to be focusing on?
0: I think they need to figure out a way to carve out a niche or differentiate themselves from the others. If you've got a game, and you know, gaming is the, is the dominant uh, app ecosystem, if you will, you've got to find a way to break that out and really think about who you're talk, who you're communicating with. Uh and a lot of times people think if they're gonna do a game, it's really toward teenagers and it's and it's toward uh maybe young college students. And somebody at the GMSAA this weekend talked about it's really a lot of moms Mm -hmm. that are gaming. And they were talking about the ages between forty to sixty. And when it when they said that it really resonated with me because my mother in law is stuck on some games and she spent quite an, a bit of money uh, trying to to go to another level, and she is in her 70s. Yeah, yeah. And McDonald's a while back, and they've got, I guess I call them the breakfast club. It's a bunch of old men that sit there that are retired. They talk politics. They talk local stuff. They all have iPads. And I'm noticing slowly but surely, they're playing games. And, and 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 that's an older crowd. Now I don't know, I'm not saying that's your crowd, but I'm saying pick your community, your target, your audience, and hammer it into them. So if you're going after a young cow, try to figure out a way to connect in the mall where, where kids still do kind of gather. Get on college campuses, do things of that nature you've got to actually get their attention which is is difficult in in this in this environment that we're in but it can be done
1: yeah no i think that that niche marketing is is something that a lot of that a lot of times gets gets forgotten in the apps industry because you know everyone wants to be you know the next yo or or facebook or whatever and and exactly have, you know 50 million users but you know if you look at if you compare what happens in the real world economy to to or well, not the real world economy to say that the that the app economy isn't real, but the physical economy. There's only a few stores that have fifty thousand customer, fifty million customers. It's it's because right. there's not that many things that everyone in the world needs to accomplish. And I think that there's a lot of space out there for for people who can charge. And that's the thing about niche marketing is you can charge more to these people because they can't get what you're offering elsewhere.
0: Um, right. But I think when you grow the community, that that spawns the ultimate sales machine, which is word of mouth. No matter how many times you put up a billboard, no matter how many times you run a commercial, nothing beats a buddy saying, hey, man, check out this game. Because that's third-party validation of somebody that's trusted and somebody that, uh, how would I put it, has has earned your trust. I mean, a billboard is you already just kind of— Slightly dismiss it a little bit because they're advertising to you and you feel like, eh, I'm not paying that any attention. And it takes about 15 impressions in order to make a person move from one point to another. It's very hard to change somebody's mindset. That's why you see commercials being ran over and over. And you're like, why do they keep running it over and over? Because in order to get to you, they Got to somehow carve out a niche in the mind. The only way to do that is to hammer it in.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, that that's a great point, and and I wanted to to sort of go from that on to um, the idea of trust, which is uh, which I think is is a really key component in marketing. That and and a lot of times in discussions that that I've been having with people in the app industry, we talk about trust in terms of not breaking it with like things like data privacy and stuff like that. But then there's also this sort of idea of, of building trust, and that's done through, through brand equity, through building your brand in the minds of consumers. Correct. But that's been a problem in the app industry. I mean, we see it again, especially in mobile gaming, again and again, where a company has a big hit, and then they can't follow it up, and nobody buys their subsequent games or plays their subsequent games. And then when the revenue from the first hit peters out, you know, they start struggling. So do you think that, that there there needs to be more of a focus on building the developer brand in mobile? And do you think that that more traditional marketing uh, strategies are the way to do that? Mm, I think you're going to have to go traditional. Because the
0: brand-wise, I don't know if people are really buying into the brand, and I'll give you an example. Zynga. Mm-hmm. I mean, Farmville was a hit. They had a couple other hits. But they've had several other games that have come out but nobody's flocking to them because they're Zynga, I have to like the game. It's kind of like cereal, and <laughs> I hate to use the analogy, but if you're at a grocery store, there's just rolls and rolls and rolls of cereal. But now, let's take the Kroger brand for those people who do have Kroger's in there, and they might have an Alberson or a Publix or another big box uh, grocery store. The off-brand is now kind of taking up a, a good portion of, this, of the shelf. Shelf space, the actually in-house brand, the Kroger brand. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily, let me get, um, I'm trying to think of a cereal, Corn Flakes. They've got their own version of Corn Flakes that might be a dollar cheaper. And because of the economy, people are saying, I'll give it a try. And people are trying all type of different cereal. I give that as an example. Because if I like it, I'll keep buying it, I'll keep eating it. And I think that's the same thing with the gaming world. I mean, I think people try a game or hear about a game and test it. And if the game doesn't live up to what they were looking for, it's over. But I think another big portion is app developers need to really look at the analytics of everything that they do. And you might want to release that game with one color and then release it with another color. Uh, 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 When I talk about colors, I'm actually really talking about the crayon box uh, of the game because if the if the game is predominantly red then you release it again in in blue and see which one really hits it sounds crazy but that's what google does and that's what makes them so successful they literally drill down to what really works and you see it in the book industry anybody's an avid reader a book will come out maybe 20 years ago and now it's back out again and they've changed the entire cover mm-hmm. they photarize uh, and what happens is they either see an uptick in sales. I've been in a store and saw the same book advertised with two different colors based on two different geographical layouts throughout the country. It looks a little different in the West coast than it does the East coast because they're playing on the, on the two different layouts and it, I guess it's a test and I thought it was so cool the way they did that. And I even see it in magazines because magazine sings, mag- magazine sales are dwindling mm-hmm. i've seen it where they will actually in an urban area put a, a african-american on the cover and then I, i'm in a uh a more uh let's say traditional area and it's an entirely different cover with a, a white person on it but it's the same magazine but what they're doing is they're trying to get you to do the first move to pick it up touch it see if you like the content make your way to the cash register. And, and you take our system. One of the things that we were adamant about in building it out and working with the IP attorneys, it had to have oodles of analytics in it. How many people touched it? If you touched it, did you buy? It? Maybe not. And then once you touch this one, where did you go from there? Then also, we also could tell you how many people are are in front of the screen, people that don't even touch the screen. We pick up anonymous data. We can tell If, uh, you know, what race you are, how old you are, uh, if you stopped and took a glance or not, and and we'll know which screen appealed versus one didn't. So when we give a report back to one of our customers, somebody who's decided to uh, advertise with us on the screen, they can look at that data and then make a decision. Maybe we need to change this. Maybe we need to change that.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I hear what you're saying there, and um, I think that, that that's a that's an interesting point, especially when it when it relates to traditional marketing versus the traditional sort of app store discovery methods. Is that you know you can localize by country in the app store, but you really can't drill down further than that. And that kind of limits in, in larger markets like the United States, like a, like the Chinese market, like right. Brazil, places that aren't as as culturally homogenous as as you know a smaller European co market would be. For uh, maybe uh, just as an example, but uh, but that just limits your ability to to localize what you're doing advertising wise. And, and I think the traditional marketing offers some opportunities to do that. Um, so so I guess. Sort of my, my next, the next thing I, I was I was hoping to get some some thoughts for you on is, do you think that that this discovery challenge and and the the difficulty in having people actually find your apps and making money off of them is going to lead to a point where we're going to see a lot of consolidation in the numbers of developers, or do you think that that as discovery system expands and as app marketers use more and more traditional marketing techniques that we're going to get to a place where the app market can support the diversity of app makers that are out there. Mm, that's that's that, that one's a deep question. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I see a
0: little bit of consolidation, but because you, you have a bunch of entrepreneurs that are starting up, the problem is everybody wants to do it their way. So it's going to be harder for them to merge into other organizations and companies because I'm the boss and this is the way I want to do it. This is the way I feel and then another guy feels this, you got to go a different way. But I do think it's going to be continue continuously complex because, as I said earlier, now you have wearables. I think you've always had them for what the last couple of years, but I think Apple's watch is going to change the game just because it's Apple. That's one of the brands which is not really an app brand per se, even though it did really kick it off. Apple has a community. They've got people that are just lined up around the, the uh the, the 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 building that want to build strictly stuff for the watch and the M health industry that's gonna be unbelievably huge. I think hospitals, doctors, all gonna be in this space. I mean, actually, uh, one of the doctors who presented at the Mobile 360. He's got an app. Now, you know, I, I don't know if he's forsaken his practice for it, but he put a lot of time in and a lot of effort, was, you know, a well-to-do app. Uh, I, I think you're going to get a lot of that. That's why I think it's always going to be crowded. I think there's a guy right now, as we talking, sitting in, in a closet somewhere with a little laptop, dreaming of the next app, and he's plugging away. He's not taking a break for nothing because he's got a vision and he's executing it. And I I, I I think it's a whole nother economy. They feel that, I think it, the stats were for Mobile Lively, if I remember correctly, I could be wrong, 2020, they believe that the mobile world is going to be a $1 trillion business worldwide. That's not just the U.S., that's, that's worldwide.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm um, glad you brought up Apple, because if you ever wanted to talk about a company built on the power of, of brands... That would be it. Would be Apple would be a great example, and it's just you know, do is the Apple Watch the best tool out there in terms of hardware specs for or, for you know in terms of getting ML stuff in particular, and also just in terms of being a consumer friendly wearable? I'm probably not qualified to say, and I haven't examined you know every watch well, out there in the market. I think the difference between
0: the Apple Watch and any other watch is the ability for Apple to build a connected system like me. For years, I was a PC guy. I swore by the PC. I had the coolest Sony that anybody had ever seen. It was real thin. It was fast. It was cool, but it still ran on a suspect operating system. Let's just call it that. And that operating system constantly was crashing and having problems. And the team finally came to me and said, hey, we can't get our work done because we're babysitting your system all the time. Because when it goes down, I'm like, "Hey, I need some help," and they're just coming in and helping. And it's just always something. And so when Mac made the challenge, why don't you switch and try? I'll never go. I don't. I don't foresee how I would ever go back to anything else. Plus, it all syncs seamlessly with my iPad, my iPhone, my Mac. And I don't have an iWatch, but I believe that the iWatch I would have that level of uh syncing capability to make it make it all work as one. And then with those other devices, you gotta work you gotta worry about their open platforms. And there's about probably as many guys that are building apps or guys sitting around, how can I crash the system? How can I get my name? They don't really do it for money. They do it for bragging rights. So they're trying to crash something or make you think your heart rate is higher than it is or lower than it should be. Or something. I think guys are going to be doing that. So I think Apple, from a branding standpoint, has has earned our trust because we spend way more for a laptop than a traditional PC. You can buy a PC for about three, four hundred dollars. Yeah. Minimum you're going to get an Apple for is about a thousand bucks, and I think they probably they probably sell a, not the highest end, but probably middle of the road. Guys are paying twelve, thirteen hundred dollars for a Mac six, $600 for an iPad, $600 for an iPhone. Yeah.
1: But, yeah. So it's a, it's a luxury good really. And, and, um, and it's, but it's does, they do incredibly well. And a lot of that, you know, I, I, uh, a lot of that is probably the technical specs of their system, but it's also, as you said, they've, they built trust in that brand. And, you know, when they come out with a new product line, like the iWatch, a lot of people who never considered, getting a smartwatch are going to think about it because it's Apple. And, um, and, you know, I think that to, to really see like some, some huge, some massive, like truly, uh, truly massive companies getting built in, in the app space, because there are very large companies there, but to get the, you know, the app born and bred business, that's, that's a fortune 500 company and, and on all the traditional, List you're going to start need to see that brand identity where where people where a new app comes out from them and people are like well I have to download it because they made it and they make great stuff. Um, well, so. my, Nike's done that,
0: yeah. And Nike's got a great brand, and and people trust Nike because even though Nike is more of a sports company than a health company, but athletes have that health and sports issue combined, so you believe in the concept. And Nike is a trusted brand, so people will step up to the pump. But keep in mind, Nike and Apple both have physical stores. Mm -hmm. And we always talk about online, but if you really want to go out and touch it, feel it, a lot of times you have to go to the physical store. That's why I cannot stress it enough. You have to think what begins online a lot of times often ends offline because people still want to use all five senses and not just the... You know I type in and look, and they wanna you know touch it, smell it, taste it
1: yeah no it's it's a it, it's it's an interesting process, and you know the app market's still very young so so how all this is gonna play out and and where these where the app marketing is going is is still up in the air but it's it's certainly interesting to have the more traditional techniques in the mix all right and and I guess my my final question is just where do you see? At marketing being in in five years, in ten years, where do you think that that it's headed, and uh, and what do you think that it, I, yeah, where do you think it's headed, and what do you think it's going to look like?
0: Yeah, that's a tricky question because if I could if I could see the future, I'd I'd, I'd probably be you know in a different business, but uh, I have no clue. I mean, I really don't know where it's going to go. I know it's going to mature. More people are going to get in there. Traditional ad agencies are now really beefing up their – it took them forever to beef up their digital strategy. Now they have to – now they're making a quicker turn toward the mobile strategy, so they're going to get in there. But I think one of the problems that companies really miss out on is you've got a big company that may be 20, 30, 40 years old that is your ad agency for lack of a better one. Mm -hmm. And what they're doing is they're trying to bring in smart digital guys. But I think you probably get your best work out of out of small groups when you're looking at marketing, because they're not worried about the stock price of their company. When you're talking about a big agency, they're not worried about. Well, they're gonna tell you in the offering we've got a hundred clients and, and we have the Fortune five, we got twenty of the Fortune five, but a small guy has you. So what he's really is is focused on you. You're good, what you do, what you need, how do I serve you? That's what companies miss. A lot of times they buy into the big ad agencies, the big PR agencies, but the truth of the matter is I think you get better service from a smaller guy that you can pick up the phone, and he answers it. He doesn't have to have two assistants that you have to go through. Oh, well, he won't be back. He's in Rome this week, and then when he gets back, he's on vacation. A small guy takes your call on vacation and even works through his vacation because you are his lifeblood in order to live. So when you get a small guy. You actually truly, I believe, have a a partner. And what I think they need to look at when you're talking about growing the app system is really focus on small guys because it's small guys who built the system. It's small guys who are thinking about how to deliver the system. It's small guys that are not stifled by their creativity because they don't have a boss that they're trying to uh, to please. And I'm trying to make my way up to VP. These guys are like, I want to deliver a product that I can stand proud on. And that's why I'm wearing a T-shirt, jeans, and a pair of gym shoes, and not an Armani suit. Is because I'm not milking you, and I'm not forced to constantly think about where do I go from here? Am I am I moving up in the company? Uh, you know what's going to be my next expense account? You need a guy that's in the trenches, swinging in your behalf. Period. And that's what the future of, I think, marketing is going to be. And when companies grasp that,
1: they're going to be able to to move faster and forward. All right. Well, you know, it's it's obviously the apps industry is was built by developers and small companies, and and it's that sort of entrepreneurial spirit that that keeps the industry growing and and what we all want to see. And and you know, there is something to be said in in a market that moves as quickly as this one for having the small company that that can, you know, keep up with the times and, and move as quickly as you need to. Well, um, I mean, you've got an example, Google. Google started and they were
0: small. Now, now, truly, they're huge, but they still take an entrepreneur approach. And that's why they do what they call moonshots, go for things that are just kind of a little bit out here. And they've got pods all over the world that focus on something to deliver it because they're still taking an entrepreneur flair. You take uh, Musk uh, with a Tesla. Mm-hmm. His, I think his company's called SpaceX. Yeah, NASA has turned that over to him. They, they're now, if I remember correctly, trying to get to anywhere and out of space or do anything. They're now working with smaller companies, and I believe they dismantled their group because they were a big, huge behemoth. And, I mean, it's got to be a task to try to get... Uh, a product, product out of the atmosphere. Yeah. Versus, versus what we have to deal with is just general traffic every day.
1: It's an interesting space, and and there's lots of of cool stuff going on. And thank you for coming on to talk to me about it. All right.
0: Uh, can we tell who we are and how to get in touch with us? Is that acceptable?
1: Oh yeah, go ahead.
0: All right. Um, O'Neill Interactive, and you can reach us at o i dot com. Abbreviation for interactive. Or you can go to our other site, shopthislive.com, and uh, feel free to reach out to us. We would love to talk to you and help any of you app developers take it to the next level. Thank
1: you. Great. Thanks for coming on, Terry. All right. You got it. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Voices of the Industry. For more podcasts, visit the Apps Alliance at devspill.it or subscribe on iTunes.